Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Beat. First, I want to thank all of my listeners uh, for tuning in in the past, for uh, supporting Movie Beat, for spreading the word by way of Twitter or Facebook or MySpace or email or phone calls. However you've supported us, however you spread the word, I surely uh, appreciate it. So thank you so much, and thanks for your emails and your phone call and your support. Uh, the chat room is open, so uh, feel free to uh, uh, join us in the chat room where you can ask questions of my guest. By the way, if you want to, you can always send questions in to uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, from the contact page at the official website. That way you can ask questions of upcoming guests uh, in advance. The official website is rexsykes.com. That's my name. It's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. And you can subscribe to the official website uh, right there at the welcome page by clicking on the RSS feed. And that way you're always going to be updated to uh, new information that occurs at the website, uh, cast and crew listings, uh, events, uh, these interviews. And so, sh- so be sure that you do uh, subscribe. Now, keep in mind if you're listening to this live on Blog Talk Radio, you can go ahead and make us a friend or a favorite uh, right there at the website. You can uh, leave comments, which we always appreciate. And uh, know that this show will also be archived uh, afterwards at the official website at rexx.com in the interviews blog. It will be right there. But it will also be available to you from the iTunes store as a podcast. And so if you go to the iTunes store and subscribe to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, please rate and review the shows. That helps us, again, spread the word far and wide. Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I connect you up with the professionals who are making it happen. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, and, uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook. There's Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends and the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Group, as well as my profile. And our official Twitter address is Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. So follow us for sure at Twitter. And again, thanks. My guest today is uh, Jeffrey Goodman. After six short years of, I'm sorry, six after directing six short films and living in Los Angeles for seven years, Jeffrey Goodman returned to his hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana, for his first feature-length project, The Last Lullaby, which was co-written by the creator of The Road to Perdition. And it stars Tom Sizemore, who was also in Saving Private Ryan and Heat, and, and Sasha Alexander from NCIS. Uh, it was filmed entirely in and around Shreveport and financed by 48 local investors. We're going to talk to uh, Jeffrey in just a moment. And uh, we're going to talk about financing his film, how he got it made, and, and all the little intricate nuts and bolts. I'm really pleased to have Jeffrey here. Let me say that this is the first show back after a bit of a hiatus. I was in Los Angeles on business and on pleasure. I had a fabulous time. Uh, people had always asked me if I was going to blog about it, and uh, 
I had intended to, but I was frankly, I was so busy that I didn't do any blogging. Uh, I didn't make much comment about it, but perhaps from time to time I'll talk about it here on the show. Uh, it's been very busy, uh, both out there and here. Uh, Transformers 3 just completed two days here in Milwaukee, uh, which is both a blessing and a disappointment. It's a blessing because they're here. They're working. They're using local people. They're investing in the community. They're they're spending their movie dollars in the state of Wisconsin. And it's a disappointment because we probably could have gotten a whole lot more had the uh, state had incentives to attract movie business. Illinois has got the lion's share of, of this uh, large movie, uh, Transformers 3. Uh, Michigan has uh, more of it. Michigan is, uh, alone has had 50 movies in the past year. Uh, we've had one. Uh, at, no God, no master shot here. And they shot here uh, th their entire movie for the most part, uh, whereas Transformers is shooting for two days. And so, um, so the incentives really does matter. And if you follow my blog, you know that uh, I'm a big uh, proponent of doing whatever you can do in order to attract business and to create a sustainable, uh, viable business uh, in our own home state. If I have to live in Wisconsin, then... Uh, I want to be able to work in Wisconsin. Okay, so that's it. I'm going to turn my attention now to my guest. Um, Lullaby, the, uh, the last Lullaby, has, has played in 19 film festivals around the world. It's won numerous awards and went on for a limited theatrical run of 10 weeks. And uh, Jeffrey Goodman is our director guest today. And I'm going to be bringing Jeffrey on just as soon as I can get to the window that uh, allows me to do that. Jeffrey, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for Good. having me. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you. Uh, uh, I want. I want. To, would, you, would you first start off by telling uh, people just a little bit about uh, the last lullaby? Maybe a little bit story-wise, you know, kind of a synopsis version of the story. But also, you know, it's a feature film. You know. Sure. Sure. Long, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's a. Um, yeah. It, it. It was my first feature, the last lullaby. It's based on a short story written by Max Allen Collins. The short story is entitled A Matter of Principle. Um, Max is is probably best known as the person who wrote the graphic novel The Road to Perdition that later became the film with Tom Hanks and Paul Newman, uh, directed by Sam Mendes. Um, and The Last Lullaby, uh, as you mentioned, I think stars Tom Sizemore and Sasha Alexander. It's, uh, it's a crime drama, I guess I would have to say if I had to describe it as anything and um it's about a about a hitman and a librarian who kind of form this unusual bond with one another. Oh, very cool. Now, you said that it was uh, uh based on Max Allen Collins' uh, a graphic novel The Road to Perdition. Um how did you get uh the rights to his story? How did he give it to you? Cuz this is this is your first feature. Why why you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, um, well, I moved out to Los Angeles, and um, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. I moved out to Los Angeles in early 1998, and when I moved out there, I was very clear on a few things. I was very clear on the fact that I wanted to be a director. Uh, I hadn't gone to film school, uh, and I was also very clear on the fact that I wasn't a very good writer. And so, you know, I felt to make it as a director, I was going to have to do one of two things, either hook up with people who wrote who didn't necessarily have directorial aspirations themselves or uh, find material that I could hire someone to adapt for me to direct. And um, at the time, uh, the the plan I kind of laid out for myself was I was going to make short films uh, for a while, and I, I didn't know how many, but 
each one I was gonna and I was gonna kind of make that my film school and I was gonna sort of up the ante each time out and hopefully at a certain point I'd feel comfortable and confident enough to take on a full-length film and so that was the plan when I arrived in Los Angeles and um, because I was looking to make short films I felt that some of the best source material for short films were short stories and so I was reading pretty much any uh, short story I could get my hands on and that's when I came across this short story written by Max entitled A Matter of Principle. It was in a it was in a compilation entitled A Mammoth Book of Pulp Fiction and it was you know, one of maybe 40 short stories in this in this compilation. Anyway, I read it, and I immediately felt like it'd make a great short film, and so I contacted the publisher of the compilation and said, hey, my name's Jeffrey Goodman. I'm a filmmaker living in Los Angeles. I'm interested in turning this story into a film. How do I go about acquiring the rights to do that? And he said, well, I think Max has those rights. Let me put you in touch with Max. And this was in 1998. Um, and so I contacted Max, said the same thing, you know, I'm a filmmaker, living in Los Angeles, interested in turning a matter of principle into a short film. Uh, I was wondering um, if you would allow me to do that, and he said, you know, I appreciate your phone call, but I'm in the process of writing this huge novel, the timing's not very good, sorry, no. And um, so, you know, I went off, I, I made some other short films for the next three or four years, but I could never really shake my desire to turn this one story into a film. So uh, near the end of 2001, I decided to reapproach Max, and right before I reapproached Max, I heard that that novel that he was working on when I first um, called him had recently been bought by Steven Spielberg and was being turned into uh, a film directed by Sam Mendes, uh, who was hot off uh, coming, coming, coming off of uh, American Beauty. Uh, and anyway, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to contact this guy, but if he turned me down before this kind of newfound success, he's certain to turn me down now, uh, but I can't help but to call him. And I called him, and to my surprise, we actually, um, he was somewhat open, and we had a series of conversations, and uh, finally he allowed me uh, to make a short film out of the short story. I made a short film out of the short story in early 2002, um, he was very happy with the way it turned out, and after that, he said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, uh, by that point, I had made six short films. I said, you know, I've made six shorts. Uh, the short I just made of your story is 19 minutes long. It, we shot it on 16 millimeter. It was all set at night in the snow, had some action sequences. It really didn't get much more involved than that for a short film. I said, I really feel like I'm ready now to take on a full-length film. And he said, well, what do you think about it? expanding what we've done into a full-length script. And I said, well, that's interesting. What do you have in mind? And then he came up with a way to do it, and that was kind of the jumping-off point for the last lullaby. Wow, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's an exciting uh, process you, you went through. Yeah, it was uh, you know completely unexpected, um, and it was just one of those things that happened to work out uh, favorably. And, you know, uh, in hindsight, it turns out to be you know one of the most important phone calls I ever made, and certainly one of the most important creative collaborations I've had up to this point in my career. Well, I, let me ask you then: How was it collaborating? Wonderful. I mean, you know, the great thing about Max is uh, well, many things. I mean, number one, he's a he's a he's a major cinephile, so and and I I, I consider myself uh, the same, and so. We we connected on that on that wave and um, could talk that language. Um, he also uh, he's a filmmaker himself, so um, we were able to, to 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 speak in that way too. Uh, he also he wrote the Dick Tracy comic strip for 20 years, so he's a very visual writer. Um, and 
that was very helpful as well. And and uh, he he he's just very talented too. He's he's a he's a he's a great writer. Whereas you know I personally feel like I'm a poor writer. So um, you know it was great to find someone who kind of filled in the void of uh, of 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 some of my own uh, weaknesses, if you will. And um, I mean we've had a I guess we've been collaborating together now for, you know, seven, eight years, and it's been a great wow. relationship. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I, it must be, well, uh, in terms of the collaboration, for for you, you know, um, working with someone who has done so much, and then not only done so much, but, you, you know, you're, you're taking something, you know, of his and translating it into a feature for you to direct, I mean, right out of the gate. I mean, that to me is like one of these Hollywood stories that that you know seems to never happen. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it started out as a short film, so I mean, in that okay. way, you know, I think probably from his perspective, he's like, you know, this guy's gonna probably make a bad film. No one's ever gonna see it. No harm done. And um, you know, if he if he if he happens to prove me wrong and make something that far exceeds my expectations and people actually see it, then great. But if not, you know, uh, it was just another exercise in getting to make a movie. And, um, and and then he was very pleased with the way the short film turned out. And then, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he was a lot more confident as we moved into the feature. But, you know, once again, the onus kind of fell on me. I mean, I was the one that uh, set out to to put the money together and I was going to raise all the money myself. And so... Um, you know, he felt like, you know, if I, if, if, if all I have to do, I guess, at an early stage is, is put a script together and this guy's going to go try and run with it, um, then, then, you know, that's great. And I, I'm sure initially, as, as did many people, I'm sure he thought, you know, I'd love to see this happen, but, you know, knowing the business the way he does, I'm sure he thought initially, well, you know, chances are it won't, chances are he'll never be able to find the money. And, I think um, you know he was pleasantly surprised that I was able to find the financial support, and he's been extremely supportive of of, of the film and of the finished product um, ever since. So, on top of uh, co-writing the, the the screenplay and directing the feature, you're executive producer on the project, and you raised the money. Can you talk about how you raised all the money for the feature yourself? I mean, how you did that, and uh, and what you did. Sure, sure. And just to clarify, I'm actually not the co-writer. Um, I had oh. another writer. So there was two writers, neither of which uh, is myself. And I did not take a producing credit. The only credit I have on Lullaby is as a director. But you could certainly say I produced it. I did uh, I did find the original property, Max's short story. I did acquire the rights to it. And I did raise all the money for it myself. And then at that point, once the money was all in place, I brought a producer on board. But you know, people often ask me, well, why didn't you take a producing credit? And, you know, I tell them, you know, when, because someone early on gave me the advice that at, at an early stage in your career, it's very important that the industry know what you are and um, what you want to do. And so, you know, I never I, I never aspired to be a producer. I just produced the last by so that I could direct it. Um, so it was a means to an end. Um, and so I didn't want to cloud the water uh, if you will, by taking a producing credit as well as a directing credit, because I really wanted the industry to recognize me as a director. That that's what was uh, that that's what I was that's what I was really passionate about. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that real quick. But yeah, in terms of raising the money, um, uh, so 
uh, you know, I had a kind of another one of these, uh, I guess, key encounters. Um, now that I look back, um, uh, I sold furniture in Los Angeles from um, I think 2000 until 2004 at a furniture store on La Brea. Uh, in the middle of Hollywood, um, that was my day job, and then I made my short films on the side. And um, because I worked at kind of this mom and pop furniture store, uh, I never normally I would come back to Louisiana during Christmas time, but Christmas time was our busiest time at the furniture store, and I, there was no way I could get away. And so for four or five years, I didn't go back to Louisiana. I, I didn't set foot in Louisiana for four or five years, which was the longest ever in my life that. Uh, I wasn't in Louisiana, but finally, um, around uh, finally, uh, I left the furniture store and ended up going to work for Brinks Home Security, selling home security systems for them. And uh, when I took the job, I said, you know, I'll take it. But the one deal is you got to let me go home for Christmas. I hadn't been home in four or five years, and they said no problem. So I came back to Shreveport Christmas of 2004, and um, my mom had told me about these guys that had made an independent film down in South Louisiana. And, said, I think I can help you get a meeting with them. And so I went to lunch with these two guys who had finished this movie down in South Louisiana. The movie was called At Last um, and starred Martin Donovan, who a lot of people know from the Hal Hartley films, and um, Kelly Lynch, um, who a lot of people know from Drugstore Cowboy. Anyway, I had a very good lunch meeting with these guys, and um, they told me how they put their movie together, and it was a $2.5 million film, and um, they had raised all the money from private investors in Louisiana, and that was kind of the budget level I had in mind for for the last lullaby. And uh, you know, I'd never really raised any substantial money for any of my film projects, but um, once I kind of heard about the heard heard more about the way they did it, um, just this light bulb went off, and I literally left lunch with these guys, went back home, told my parents, and I'd never even considered this in my life. I told my parents, I said. I think I'm quitting my job at Brinks and coming back to Shreveport. I'm going to try and raise the money here for, for my film. And um, in, in less than a month, I had quit, quit work and uh, was back in Louisiana, and that was kind of the start of the process. And then um, I spent the next three or four months in Louisiana putting a business plan together. I decided I was going to try and raise the money. Uh, I was going to try and raise $2 million, and I was going to try and raise it in $50,000 increments. So I was seeking 40 investors at $50,000 a piece. Um, and then by about April or May, I started calling on people. Um, and uh, it, took me, it took me about 10 months, I guess, but I was able to raise all the money. I have 49 investors total, uh, 48 of, of, of which are from uh, within a 30-mile radius of Shreveport, and then I have one $50,000 investor from Texas. But, you know, I was, I was able to find the support and uh, get the traction, and you know, I just feel fortunate, I guess, uh, for that. I mean, was, I mean again, uh, another incredible story. Uh, how, you know, keeping in mind whatever whatever you wish to keep confidential. How, how did you find these people? I mean, what what kind of approach did you use? How did you, you know, what kind of business plan or or what kind of industry do these people come from or walks of life? I mean, how do you find? You know, almost 50 people who are going to give you $50,000 a pop. It's a great question. Um, and there's a few things, uh, kind of a few small questions in there, I feel. Uh, the, the first thing, I, I think if you were to uh, look at, um, do a breakdown of my investors in Lullaby, I think it would look something like this. I think approximately 15 of them are from the oil and gas industry, which is 
really the primary industry um, in North Louisiana, or at least in the Shreveport-Bossier area. Um, I would say 15 of them are doctors, and then the other 18 or so um, are either from old money, um, you know, real estate, or some other um, successful um, business venture. Um, you know, a lot of my prospecting was, um, you know, just just that. I mean, uh, meeting with people, making them aware of what I was doing, and asking that very question, you know, who in this area could possibly afford a $50,000 investment, and then building lists and, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to compile uh, a list of, 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 of people in the area um, who, who had the capacity to make this kind of investment. And one, one way I was able to minimize uh, some of the risk involved was um, I was able to use both state and federal uh, tax legislation as part of the business plan. Uh, one thing I did on the state side is, um, you know, the, Louisiana already had a, uh, a very viable film industry by the time I came back here. Louisiana passed tax incentives in the middle of 2002, and by early 2005 when I arrived, it, you know, had around a $350 million annual industry. Um, but, uh, you know, every film that had come to Louisiana up to that point was already financed when it arrived in Louisiana. So what it did is, they came to Louisiana, they, they filmed, they got a portion of their budget back in tax credits. They weren't Louisiana taxpayers, though, so what they would do is they would broker those tax credits. They would they would turn around, they would sell them at a slightly discounted rate to a Louisiana accounting firm, and then that Louisiana accounting firm would turn around and sell them at a slightly increased rate to, a, to one of their Louisiana taxpaying clients. And uh, when I was putting the deal together for Lullaby, I contacted the state film office. I said, well, I'm targeting Louisiana investment. You know, why do why do I have to broker the credits? Why can't I simply turn them over to the investors? And they said you can, just no one's put a movie together in that way since the legislation's gone into effect. And I said, well, that's what I'm going to attempt to do. And they said that's great. And so that's what I did for Lullaby. Um, I, I filmed in the state. I got a portion of my budget back in in tax credits, and then I simply gave 100% of the tax credits back to the investors, and they they shared them according to the amount they had invested. Um, and I'm doing the same thing on my new film, too. And so, um, you know, that was that was a way to get my foot in the door with many people as I was able to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you a portion of your, your money back before the film even makes a penny through state tax credits. And then uh, I'll also use some federal tax legislation to help minimize the risk as well. Um, I, I guess some people aren't aware of this, but... At the end of 2004, as part of a major piece of legislation, the American Jobs Creation Act, there was a piece of film legislation in there, and uh, it was in there because at the time a lot of American films had been running off and filming in Canada and filming in Eastern Europe, and so it was the U.S. government's effort to keep American production um, within the country. And so uh, they passed a piece of legislation that said an investor can write off 100% of their investment in the first year into a film against any passive income they have. And passive income is kind of a confusing thing, and I can explain it if you'd like. Um, but uh, you want me to? Yeah, please. Oh, please. Okay. Um, well, passive income is um, income that isn't from your, your, your main occupation. Um, and, uh, you know, for instance, when someone invests in a film with me, any income they would receive would be passive income because – uh, I'm the active manager of the investment. Um, they're just giving me their money, basically, and um, they're not running the business. They're they're entrusting that 
I'm going to make the right business and, and creative decisions. And uh, a lot of um, a lot of ventures in the oil and gas business are, are done in that way. So the income that comes from those are is passive income. A lot of um, uh, ventures in the real estate industry are, are passive ventures as well. So you know, people with a high net worth in this area, and I think people with a high net worth in most areas. Uh, would would most likely have a significant amount of passive income. So, you know, I was able to tell the investors, you know, I'm going to give you a portion of your money back in state tax credits, plus you're going to get this federal deduction um, against passive income that you might have. So there, you know, with Lullaby, for instance, I was able to say, you know, I can guarantee you approximately half your money back before the film even makes a penny. And, you know, there's still risk involved, but uh, I, I, I've, I've come up with a way to, to significantly minimize a, a, a certain portion of that. That is awesome, and and but what also you're telling me is is, is could you have done this anywhere else? I mean, taking advantage of tax incentives. If you do, you feel that if you hadn't had the tax incentives, that you would have been nearly as successful, or was that your major marketing piece, I guess, to these investors? I think that was, I mean, I think I could have done it in another state that had tax incentives and that would allow me to use the tax legislation in that way. Um, I, I certainly think that was the, that was my, that was my strongest card of anything was, uh, was the state tax credit legislation and the, and the federal was helpful too. Um, and then I would say, you know, the, the road to perdition connection with Max was, 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 Either equally important to some people, or almost just as important. So, I mean, those were my those were my 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 big um, uh, investment considerations for people, and 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 the the really appealing things I had going for me. So, for people who are listening, who live in states that have incentives and that are drafted in this fashion, this this could be an option for them. I would think so. I I uh, I certainly don't know why it couldn't be. Um, I, I, I would think so, and I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe when Louisiana drafted its legislation in the middle of 2002, uh, we were the very first state in the country to offer tax credits to the movie industry, and now more than 40 states, I believe, have some some form of movie tax legislation. So I don't I don't see why, um, and I, I I can't say I'm familiar enough with every state's uh, legislation. Each state has different legislation and different rules, but I can't imagine why this wouldn't work in most states. I mean, it's and it's still not a no-brainer. I mean, it still takes a lot of work and takes a lot of um, convincing and selling and and energy and effort. Um, but you know, it it at least for a lot of people allows you to get your foot in the door um, because then it's not a complete risk. I mean, they're 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 not going to lose all their money. Um, you know, even if it's a, even if it's a complete bust, uh, there are protections in there now so that they won't lose all their money. Um, and, you know, that to people that um, invest um, uh, often, um, you know, they're looking for these kind of investments where um, some, of, some of the risk capital or some of the exposure is, 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 is lessened. Um, so this can be very attractive to, to, to investors. Oh, that's awesome. Now, as a standard disclaimer, we should say that, that everybody needs to investigate this on their own and, and adhere to the laws of the state and federal laws and all that kind of stuff because we don't, we're not tax attorneys. We don't, we're not purporting to give advice, but we are listening to a gentleman, you know, we talk about what he did. And, uh, and it's a, it's a great description of, of, I mean, what you just said there at the last, uh, 
point. Um, you said, you know, it's not, it's not a no-brainer and it takes significant work. What impresses me is, is that for those people who know how hard it is to raise any kind of money, and not only that, but to coordinate, you know, 49 different investors. And, to you know, because oftentimes what happens is somebody jumps on board a project and they jump off and then somebody else jumps on and, and now you got, say, 10 or 12 and then three jump off and then you're looking for, you know, I mean, in other words, Holding your investors or keeping people interested while you while you continue the process sometimes can be an amazing uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Let me talk to that real quick if I could, just because I think I have some um, some advice that could be useful uh, for people on that. Um, you know, I, and this comes from you know having sold furniture and having sold security systems. You know, what I noticed, I guess, in in, in my time uh, in sales with those other two um, uh, occupations was that. And there's a huge there's a huge chasm there's a huge gap between the time that someone tells you yes um, I'm I'm buying this thing and, and the time that they actually hand you their money and uh, you know unfortunately uh, a lot of times it, it doesn't it, point A doesn't always lead to point B and sometimes you never get to point B and so you know because I had had that experience so often in, in my other sales experiences you know if I wanted to avoid that in raising money with the last lullaby. And so the way that I raised money is I had an escrow account set up with my attorney. And um, and if people wanted to be a part of it, they had to give me their money, and it went and sat in escrow. And they had to sign a subscription agreement, and they couldn't get their money back. Um, and we had rules in the operating agreements governing the LLCs that said, um, you know, if I don't succeed in raising at least half the money by the certain date, all the investors get their money back plus the interest that's earned in escrow. But I couldn't touch it until I'd raised at least half the money. But I also said if I if I I reserve the right, if I raise at least half the money plus one dollar, I reserve the right to go ahead and make the movie at a reduced rate so that way I don't get eighty, ninety percent of the way there and then have to give everyone their money back. Um but I'm just saying all this because at any given time and raising money that way I knew exactly to the penny how much money I had and as long as I was going to achieve, you know, my goal of at least raising half the money, I knew that those people couldn't couldn't get their money back. I mean, once they had filled out a subscription agreement and given me their money, there was there was no recourse for them to get it back. Oh, that's that's uh, that's awesome, and I, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you sharing this with me and and our listeners. Um, I got to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. Okay, Jeffrey? Sure. All right, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. And we appreciate your comments and your support about the blogs and articles. Uh, please feel free to uh, email me through the website uh, for, regarding anything. If you've got feedback, uh, how we can improve the show, if you've got uh, praise that you want to sh- give uh, about events, questions for the guests, things like that, uh, go ahead and use the contact uh, information at the contact page. Um, My next guest coming up will be Matthew Tompkins. He's an actor, producer, director, and a writer. And he's been in the business for 20 years. He's starred or co-starred in over 80 television productions, 25 feature films, 60 national commercials, 75 plays. He's also produced and directed and written feature films. As producer, he's produced a feature film called Killing Down. And uh, as well as the fragility of seconds and radiant, uh, both are being released uh, this July, right now in 2010. So uh, he'll be my next guest. That's the next time we're together on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, but for now, back with uh, director Jeffrey Goodman. Jeffrey, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you uh, addressing these points. Uh, so many 
not only new uh, filmmakers but uh, seasoned filmmakers as well have have significant difficulties raising money and uh, and finding resources and uh, and putting a package together one of the things that i like that you said is you know you that you sold furniture and you worked for brinks and that you brought your sales experience to bear what what we haven't even talked about your directing or your directing style or about you being a poor writer yet we, what we've talked about though is about you being savvy enough of a person who 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 has used their uh, business experience to create a business for yourself and and get your own movie made, um, and that's where I think show business. You know, you know, we divide it right down the middle. There's the show part, which we haven't discussed yet, uh, really, and then there's the business side, and we're discussing the business side. And and you went about this in a very smart and practical way, and and you made you know your dream come true. I uh, you know I really my hat is off to you in that regard. And any more you want to share about this this uh, raising of money, uh, I, I think is helpful. When you said you went to the oil business, or you went to um, you went to uh, doctors. doctors, and you went to uh, you know people who just had large amounts of disposable income. Did you find, or or did, or was it addressed in such a way that you know a lot, sometimes people with significant money don't mind dropping fifty thousand dollars or losing fifty thousand uh, dollars? Maybe they just want to be you know rub elbows with the movie maker or something like that, or they want to be able to have. Did, did you find any of this to be true, or or did you find that quite the contrary? The the fact that you had these tax incentives and that you could say, look, I can guarantee a certain percentage of your money back before the movie's even you know been released. Uh, was the crux? I mean, or you both? Know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, and, and I never, I never know the exact answer um, to this. In that, you know, I, I honestly think if you sat all 49 investors in a room, um, well, maybe even individually, and said, "Why'd you invest?" You might get 49 different answers. You know, I think for some, it was the tax incentives. I think for for some, it was. Um, they liked me and they wanted to see this happen for me. I think for some they wanted to see it happen in the area. And I mean, they were people that have uh, uh, are, are lifetime community supporters. Uh, for others, um, they honestly thought they were going to uh, make a fortune with the movie. And for others, uh, you know, it was the allure of being involved in the movie business. So I think you have all kinds. I mean, I never took it for granted. And, uh, you know, I think this is good. I mean, I never took it for granted. Well, you know, this is a no-brainer. I'm only asking for fifty thousand dollars. This guy has fifty million dollars. Um, they should just give me their money. And um, you know, people that have, for the most part, people that have that much wealth and and that level of income uh, have 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 managed it well too, and are are are, are frugal and are uh, and are thorough and do do their homework. And so, I don't think you can ever um, go into a meeting with that sort of expectation. I mean, you do have to sell them and. You have to, you know, sell them as though you're trying to squeeze a dollar from someone who has ten only, you know, uh, ten dollars only. And um, I think for me that's the right mindset. Um, I just want to say one other thing, and it kind of speaks to what you said um, right before you asked the question. Is, you know, I really, um, I never, I never went to business school. I never had any financing courses, marketing courses, any of that. But you know, I really think in this day and age, um, right right now at this at this moment, I, I I feel comfortable as an independent filmmaker. I mean, that's that's the that's the arena where I feel the most comfortable. Um, that's not to say I won't ever make a film um, in the studio system, but right now I'm very comfortable in in, in this arena. But you know, I, and I used to as a filmmaker, 
uh, thought, you know, the 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 ideal or the the situation I wanted to create for myself was was just for someone to bring me the money. You know, I just wanted to make the movie and then someone take it off my hands and put it out into the world. And you know, I used to think, well, that's you know, that's what it means to be an independent filmmaker. But you know, one thing I like to say nowadays is I think unless you know the other two steps, which I think there are three basic steps, you know, there's getting the money, there's making the movie, and then there's putting it out into the world. And I think unless you know step one, which is how to raise money, and step three, which is how to get a movie out into the world once it's done, then really in this day and age, even if you think you're an independent filmmaker, really you're a dependent filmmaker. You're dependent on someone to do step one and step three for you. So, you know, I've kind of just um, through some frustrations and through some difficulties and um, through some starts and stops, I've sort of realized, well, you know, I'm really empowering myself uh, more than anything in, in, in trying to educate myself on how to do those other two steps as well. And it's not because that's my real passion. I mean, my real passion is making movies. I mean, that's that's what I love the most. But I also accept, I guess, that um, the more I can know about step one and step three, perhaps the more I get to do step two. Well, that is, uh, again, I mean, that's, that's just fan- fantastic, and that's actually, you know, something that should be in quotes, because that is, that is absolutely, a, a, you know, a brilliant way of putting it. You know, if you know, if you know what you need to do in order to, to raise the money, and you know how to get it to the audience and, and, and fill seats in a theater, uh, then you're truly an independent filmmaker, but otherwise you're dependent on other people to do that for you. And in today's world, it's, it's quite hard to, to find other people who will do that for you anyway. It seems that more and more uh, uh, filmmakers have to be involved in in not only the production part of it, but the the development part of it. The, you know, getting the money, but also now more than ever, it seems like they 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 don't turn their films over anymore. It's it, those days have seemed to be ebbing past us, where now we're more closely associated with our product lifespan than ever before. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. I mean, it seems like more and more independence. I mean, there's more and more independence, period. I mean, there's more and more films being made, but uh, there also seems to be more and more people self-releasing and um, self-distributing and um, really engaging with their audience and trying to find an audience. Absolutely. Now, Jeffrey, I want to say we we literally have about uh, 19 minutes left. And uh, we barely scratched the surface of all the things that you and I could possibly discuss. I'm going to ask that, uh, you know, I know we talked about this before, but that if, if in a couple of weeks you'd be willing to come back on the show and continue our discussion. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. And then listeners will know, you know, I will announce, you know, when you're coming up, and it'll, of course, be on the website, and they can read down your bio page and things like that. And we'll use Facebook and Twitter and all the normal means. But I'd love to have you back. This is this is a very engaging, fascinating, and enlightening uh, discussion just in what you did to raise the money. Let me ask you this, um, and and so I know that the rest is going to be too. Uh, you know, and I, I want us to get to the rest. By the way, I didn't mention, and and let me do so now, just so that people are aware. You also um, blog, and uh, it says that uh, you know in the title of your your biography page at, at rexhikes.com, it says director and blogger, but you blog uh, for. Uh, Movie Maker Magazine. You have uh, a blog called Adventures in Self-Releasing, and 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 uh, we're certainly going to want to be talking about that, if not today, but you know certainly in the future, uh, in, in, in next interview or so. And also um, talk about uh, you know social media efforts, you know, and and how uh, people can best take advantage of those. So I, I throw that out there for now. But I wanted to ask you, how long from from 
the time you moved back and you announced to your parents, said, I'm going to go raise this money, how long between that moment and the moment that you got all your money? How long did it take you? Yeah, it took me, uh, it took me, uh, I think I had my first meeting in May of 2005 and I, I I closed out the investment February. I know I know the exact date because it was Valentine's February 14, 2006. Wow! Now say that again. Uh, I I had my first meeting on Lullaby in May of 2005, and I had all my money by February 14th of 2006. So was that eight or nine months? Something? Yeah, it was about ten months, I think. Ten um, from or maybe that's yeah, maybe uh, no, yeah, I think that's ten months, I think. I wow. Can't do the math, but I think that's right. right. And then from that point, you had all your money. How 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 long a pre-production before you went to to shoot your first minute of film? Well, uh, you know the, the 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 big things I had to do after that. I mean, the hardest thing. I mean, aside from raising the money, well, I won't even say the hardest thing. One of the hardest things was, you know, making my first feature. I was really kind of putting a team together from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't use anyone I had worked on. Uh, worked with for my short films, and um, and so it was you know kind of finding all the personnel and crew and uh, and team took a while. And the first person I felt I needed to hire, excuse me, once I had all the money in place, was a producer. And um, so I, I I went out. I had a, about four or five days worth of meetings in New York with people, and four or five days worth of meetings in in Los Angeles with people. And it took me probably. Uh, two or three months to find a producer. I brought a producer on board. We ended up bringing on the second writer um, who did some work on the script. So it took us about, um, and then we brought on a line producer and a casting director. Anyway, we, it took us about uh, seven, seven, eight months, I guess, from February 14th to officially start pre-production on Lullaby. And uh, we shot Lullaby. I think we began shooting... January 20 or 21st of 2007, and we it was a four-week shoot, um, and I think we started pre-production in October, I believe, of 2006. Um, but you know, a lot of that time for me, I think some of that time will will be cut significantly the next time out, just because um, you know I won't have to go look for a lot of those people. A lot of those people I'll, I'll, I'll use again, um, and so I'm ex- you know I'm excited about that part of the process. I mean. Uh, for me, uh, you know, an ideal working situation is to kind of build a family and have these people that, you know, all speak the same language as you, understand what you're trying to do, and, I mean, you don't have to micromanage them. You know you're all trying to do the best work you can together. And, uh, uh, you know, you can't expect, I guess, to find all those people the first time out, but you, I certainly feel like after Lullaby I found some of them that uh, I, would be my first phone calls the next time out. And just since we were there, how soon till the next time? I, you know, I'm raising money. I'm I'm back at that that uh, that first stage again for my new film, which is entitled Peril, P-E-R-I-L. Um, and uh, y- you never really know, you know, when I started raising money for Lullaby, um, I wasn't sure I'd even be able to raise a penny. Um, you know, I I never raised uh, any real money for a film, so I just had no idea how it would work out. Um, and even though I've, I've I've I have a track record of being able to raise money now for a film, uh, I'm, I'm never so um, uh, uh, arrogant as to think that you know I'll definitely do it the next time around, uh, number one, or do it the next time around on the same schedule or faster or what. Um, so I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm 
I'm full court pressing on the next film right now. I mean, that's my uh, that's really my full time uh, job right now is raising money for the new film. Uh, in an ideal world, I'd finish raising all the money by the end of this year and be shooting at the beginning of next year. But wow. um, you know, I'm also very realistic and. And, and and knowing that you know I I can't ever say for sure how long that process will will take. Sure, sure. No, no, that's good. But but you're active in that process now. Now, once you got your money and you closed all the you you, you know on February 14th, and you said now you got to go out and you got to find a producer. So you got this money sitting now in escrow, right? Or you got your two million dollars sitting there? Right. And you go to New York and you go to L.A. and you're And actually, shopping. let me just interrupt once. Actually, sure. what I did is I, I, I went to one of the local banks and I got a CD um, because it was um, generating higher interest than the escrow. And so I went and stuck all the money in a CD uh, once all the oh. money was raised. Oh, very cool. Uh, very cool. And uh, so now you, you've got this money sitting there in the CD and you, you've got to go find a producer. Uh, but you're still, I mean, you know, when you said you didn't take a producing credit, you're actually still producing. And, and you, you you know, you worked as the executive producer. You worked as, as a producer, in, you know, in the capacity that now I've got to go find somebody to hire to take your job over and and then help hire all these other people. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, I and, and Dave, the producer, only had one official producer on the film. I mean, Dave and I talked about it. He's like, you know, obviously you can totally take a producing credit if you want one. I won't be offended. And, you know, I, I said the same thing I said to you earlier, which is, I mean, that's sure. not my passion and that's not what I want to be known for. Right. But but no, I mean, you, we, it's, it's clear to us and the listeners that you did all of this so that you could direct. And it makes perfect sense that you're saying the hat that I wear is the director hat and you don't want to confuse it by having multiple credits. You know, where some people say they produced, they wrote, they directed, they edited, you know, and they shot their movie, you know, you're you're very succinct in saying, you know, I'm the director. Um but you're responsible for getting this whole thing done. I mean, and and that that is quite obvious. Uh so now you get the producer. What was it like the moment you brought a, new, a producer on to work with somebody who you've been doing all this all this time now? Well, that's a great question. I've never actually talked about this on the record, um, not because I, I'm not comfortable. Just I've never been asked this question or been uh, led up to this point. But one thing I want to say that I think was really important, Dave and I had known each other for a long time, and I would say we were friends by the point I brought up, brought him on board. But um, we ended up negotiating for you know almost a month to get our agreement um in place the the agreement that would govern our, that the, the agreement that would govern our relationship the producer agreement on the film and um i think you know in hindsight that was really important um only because you know as as part of that agreement it it it, it delineated what his duties were and what my duties were and particularly what it said is you know if, for instance, we get in a situation where we have a creative dispute and uh, he feels one way and I feel another, at the end of the day, it's going to be my way that wins out, only because you know I'm the one that's responsible to the investors. I'm the one that is accountable um, at the end of the day, and it needs to be that way. And for me, you know, having that in writing and having that spelled out and having spoken about it as well, uh, Dave and I, you know, I felt very comfortable. Um, uh, creatively and in that relationship with him moving forward. And, you know, I would highly recommend, and, and someone actually suggested 
that to me at an early stage. Someone who I met with who I ended up not hiring as a producer but who I was considering hiring as a producer, they said, you know, make sure you spend a substantial amount of time or at least enough time on, on negotiating your producing agreement and make sure you're comfortable with it. And I'm so glad I did in hindsight just because it, it really uh, allowed us to avoid um, some some unpleasant uh, situations I've heard other directors or producers talk about. Well, I, I imagine that for the most part, and I've got another question here, but I imagine for the most part, my comment is, is, is as typically we understand it, that most production problems could be solved in pre-production if you do pre-production thorough enough, and you contingency plan. Not that you won't be surprised, but if you are surprised, you have a way of dealing with it because you've worked through it, or you've worked the pathways for solutions through. Uh, in advance of, of actually shooting the movie, and and the same would be true in terms of negotiating your agreements that with the with the keys and the people that you work with. That if that you if you've done the homework and you've done the legwork and you and you take the time required to strike a good deal, uh, a good negotiation, and you have all that in place, then you know when you get into pre-production, production, post-production, everybody knows what. Is expected of them, and they could fall back to their agreement. And so, the, the, the more savvy you are in, in forging that agreement, the, the less issue probably down the road. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, I, and, I, and I've always—I mean, I completely agree with everything you just said. I mean, I've always been a huge proponent of preparation. Period. I mean, there's—you know—one of the movements of film, and one of the filmmakers that first inspired me to be a director is Godard. And I mean, the French New Wave is all about improvisation yet you know i guess my whole career has been all about preparation and is 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 appealing and attractive as the ideas of you know guerrilla filmmaking in the sense of let's just go grab a bunch of people and see what happens you know i also realize um you know uh, filmmaking at least in the way i'm doing it not everyone's doing independent filmmaking in this way but independent filmmaking the way that i'm doing is it is expensive and um, you know, I feel like I want to maximize that opportunity. I feel like I can best maximize it by preparing um, to the best of my ability. And that's not to say I won't allow for some some coincidences and some some uh, unplanned things to happen. But um, you know, I, I fully believe in, in the power of preparation. Wow, uh, that's that's fantastic. Let me let me take just a, a second. We've got about you know, six or seven minutes left, but let me say that uh, The Last Lullaby uh, website is thelastlullaby.com. It's T-H-E-L-A-S-T-L-U-L-L-A-B-Y.com. And there are people who can go and they can purchase uh, Ben Lovett's uh, award-winning score or a limited edition DVD, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they can they can receive monthly updates on the last lullaby. They can catch all of the latest news on the, uh, the lullaby, last lullaby blog, and also they can get to moviemaker dot com and and check out your blogs there. Um, but I wanted to make sure that uh, people know that you you know that they can get to your website. Is there any way? Is there any online web? How do they, how do they see the last lullaby right now through the website? There um there uh. There are things on YouTube. Uh, there's a trailer on YouTube, um, and there's a behind-the-scenes uh, between uh, Dave, the producer, uh, myself, Tom Sizemore, Sasha Alexander, uh, and a couple of the other actors are featured in a, in a behind-the-scenes piece, too, that's on YouTube. Um, but uh, you can't watch the entire movie unless someone's pirated it, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know where it is. 
um, which is, is certainly possible too. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, seeing clips from it, the best place is probably go to YouTube and just type in the last by trailer. When we come back in the, in subsequent show or shows, we'll talk more about you know you know self releasing what you would do differently, uh, working with the actors like Tom Sizemore, Sasha, uh, Sasha Alexander, Bill Smitrovich, and, and and others. We'll talk. I want to talk more about your directing style and what you learned as a director doing your first feature and and you know all that kind of, uh, so much more. Um, but but we still have uh, about five minutes left, and um, and this has been just I think an absolutely valuable valuable lesson in uh, approaching business and in in, in, in in fundraising and financing. Um, did you use a tax attorney or did you, I'm sorry, a, movie, uh, a motion picture attorney uh, in drafting any of these negotiations or, or in putting together your investment? I mean, you said, I, you know, I did this business plan and uh, did you get help in the business? How did, how did you, how did you structure all this and then structure your investments and then structure your negotiation with Dave? Um, did did you have outside help or legal help? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, uh, and there's a, some some of various questions in there too. Um, sure. You know, one one thing I had I had on Lullaby and I have on the new film too is I've got a, a local meaning in, based in Shreveport, a local attorney and a local accountant. And then um, I have a movie attorney and a movie accountant. And, you know, the local people have been very instrumental uh, for me in terms of making the investors feel comfortable because these are uh, attorneys and accountants and firms that they've all done business with, the people that I'm approaching and the people that I'm trying to get to invest. And so uh, they feel comfortable knowing that, hey, they're they're going to be involved in a deal with, with people they know. Um, and, and then – but yet these people have never had any experience working in the movie business. So then it was important once all the money was raised to bring in uh, a movie attorney and a movie accountant. And um, in terms of putting the business plan together, I had a a close investment banker friend out of New York um, who really kind of helped walk me through putting the business plan together for Lullaby, and he was instrumental in helping me make it happen. Also, those guys who did the movie I spoke about earlier at last down in South Louisiana were – uh, were kind enough to give me a copy of their business plan, and so I was I was able to 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 use that too as a jumping off point, uh, and that was that was very helpful as well. So in the three minutes remaining, I mean, again, it's been so valuable. Do you have any uh, advice that you would give, or anything that I haven't asked you that that you would address in the next couple of minutes regarding? Uh, somebody starting this process again. It doesn't matter how long they've been involved in the business. And oh, and one question in there, uh, or substitute question, subsequent question is, um, why not California? I mean, in other words, you you said I'm going to go home and make this movie. Did, was it because because of the tax incentives, or was it because it'd just be easier, you'd be home, or or did or, or did you just find it harder to do in Los Angeles or something? Yeah, um, uh, and yeah, I'll give advice too. Uh, I mean, really, I decided to come back to Louisiana just because I knew I was going to try and raise the money from from private uh, investors, and I felt like I had the largest number of contacts in this report uh-huh. area where I grew up, and so that's why I opted to to come back to Louisiana um, and and not stay in California. Um, in, in terms of advice, you know, I mean, one thing I really feel kind of looking back, and I don't know if this is true or not, but. I feel like I wasted maybe three, four, five years of my filmmaking career just kind of waiting for 
someone to come along and say, you know what, Jeffrey, you're a great filmmaker. Here's your opportunity. Or, you know what, Jeffrey, uh, you know, we, 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 we totally are going to make this happen for you. Uh, well, we know, we know you don't, you don't know how to raise money, but we'll, we'll, we'll bring you that. Or we, we know you don't know how to distribute a film, but we'll offer that. And, you know, always waiting for someone to kind of empower me. And I think what I've now learned is, um, you know, what's, what's really important is just kind of give your, give yourself permission to, 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 to be a filmmaker and give yourself permission to, 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 to make your films and, you know, be, be the, be the person that, um, gives you the break. I mean, there, I, I mean, there are people that get breaks, but at the end of the day, in this day and age with technology and everything else, I think we can now kind of be our own break. And, um, I mean, if there's anything I've learned in the whole by process, it's that, you know, none of this is rocket science. I mean, any of this, any of this process can be learned and it's better to kind of learn the hard way and be doing it than just be sitting there waiting and, um, uh, you know, in, in, in a, almost a state of paralysis for years, which, uh, you know, I've been in that place too. So, um, you know, that's always kind of a piece of advice I like to give people is just, you know, kind of like the, the Nike motto, just, just do it. That is, that is fabulous advice. Let me ask you this because in terms of pers- perseverance and persistence how many people did you approach that 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 ultimately didn't invest i mean in other words you got your 49 investors i assume there were others sure i mean a lot (laughs) i don't know i mean i don't know if uh you know i don't know if every 10 people i talked to it took one um but I, i i would say you know that ratio isn't so far off um uh so it was it was a lot of people and i mean a lot of times it was you know just on the phone hey um you know i'm putting this movie deal together i wanted to see if i could come by and tell you about it no i'm not interested in that but i mean that was a no and um and and so i mean my list when i was prospecting in my own head i kind of felt like you know i'm gonna have to talk to 10 people to get uh one person and so i didn't really feel like i could start even uh going out there trying to raise money until i had a prospect list of about 500 people wow wow let me ask you one final question we've got about a minute and a half left and i was did the first person you talked to say yes oh no <laughs> no no um no i don't know how many it took but uh no not even close yeah, I, I suspected as much. Jeffrey, you have been a fantastic wealth of information. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I look forward to your return. You and I will be talking in just a couple of seconds. But uh, I want to say thank you, and thank you for our listeners. And, uh, and we'll let everybody know when you come back. TheLastLullaby.com is Jeffrey's website. He's got a blog at MovieMaker.com, so be sure to check that out. Check out his official biography. All of that information is there at RexSykes.com at my official site. But thank you so much. Thank you, Rex. All right. We'll talk to you again in just a few seconds, and uh, and bye for now. All right. Bye, guys. Again, I want to thank Jeffrey Goodman for being here today and for not only being inspirational but educational in terms of being able to, to, to finance movies. I mean, wow. Uh, he raised $2 million to get his first movie done. And uh, and, and I just want to encourage you guys to stay tuned to Rex Movies. A lot more exciting guests coming up. Jeffrey's going to be coming back. I'll let you know when that is. Uh, Matthew Tompkins will be my next guest. He's, he's a, as an actor, he's appeared in, in numerous TV shows and feature films, both starring and co-starring. So you're going to want to hear from him both about the acting, producing, and directing. Uh, but please stay tuned and please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all your friends and your contacts. Facebook us, tweet about us, 
put it on MySpace, email them, call them, let them know, rate and review the shows both at uh, Blog Talk Radio and at uh, at iTunes, and you'll help us continue to spread the word. Uh, look for the next one. Uh, you can become a member of the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook Friends Group or the group by uh, clicking on the links at my uh, at my profile page. It's Rex Sykes. And uh, everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies complete. And until we meet again the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>